0: I'm Rob McNichol. Joining me is my good friend, Showbiz Paul
1: Benson. How you doing, Paul? I'm all right, Rob. Thank you very much. Hello, everybody. Um, I'm not sure which way is up and which way is down, what day of the week is, But it's night or day at the moment. But uh, apart from that, Kosti.
0: That's exactly what I was going to say to you. How excited, nervous, tense, keyed up. What's the main feeling? Because as we record this, uh, it's early on Thursday evening and we're getting our stuff together because on Saturday we go live. It's the Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard tour. First time ever for Bruce in the UK and Ireland with his podcast show. And it will be me hosting, Paul and I promoting, a whole host of others helping and hopefully all of you guys listening coming along and having a great time but as i say as we record we're just over 48 hours or so away from the first show going live and so it's uh it's been a big week mate but i think we're gonna get there
1: yeah it's been a it's been a hectic few weeks that's for sure um everyone's worked really really hard and we're kind of at that point now where it's, it's do or die you know what what's happened what happens now happens literally as we write this Bruce will probably be just about handing in his boarding pass and settling into his first, uh, into his business class seat on his plane. Um, it, everything's packed. The programs were delivered today. They're looking spot on. The T-shirts have been delivered. Um, yeah, everything, everything seems to be going according to plan so far. Uh, I've actually heard that uh, Bruce's plane
0: is 10 minutes delayed
2: so that's the worst thing that's
0: going to happen this week that is the worst thing that's going to happen is a 10 minute delay to that play so that's, uh, that's how we're going to roll um, listen, if people don't know what we're talking about, where have you been? But if this is the first time you're listening, uh, perhaps you're listening because we've got um, none other than Conrad Thompson on the show this week. Um, Conrad is unable to join us for the Bruce tour, um, but he and I have been in contact. and We're going to bring him on the show uh, later on uh, just to give me a few last-minute tips on how I can deal with Bruce. And it's also a bit of an excuse because off-air we'll be exchanging some notes and going through some pointers on the shows because Conrad's done some some very fine research for us so we can uh, get into the meat and drink of some excellent topics surrounding all sorts of stuff to do with wrestling all sorts of things to do with Bruce's uh, knowledge base but particularly we're going to be looking at some things uh, that pertain to each of our markets so some UK stuff some local stuff to the uh, uh, the cities in, in England and of course uh, there's some Irish wrestling and, and whatever in Dublin so uh, we're really looking forward to all that but if you are wondering what this is all about you are thinking you want to get interested um, Paul give us the rundown we're going to Dublin on Saturday we're going to Birmingham on Sunday Manchester Monday London Tuesday but give us some venues and give us some ideas of where we can get some tickets
1: I thought you were going to take my job for me there Rob yes yeah, no, so um, <laughs> this coming Saturday we are at the Woolshed Bar and Grill in ah. Dublin. Uh, bar BAA. I was there last Saturday, actually. Sorry, last Friday. Great little venue. Um, we're going to be in the little comedy barn upstairs. Very intimate. It holds about 100, 120 people. We're gonna. Well, we are. We have sold that out practically. Bar a couple of tickets. Um, Right in the centre of Dublin. It's going to be a cracky Saturday night, that one. You can buy tickets for the Dublin show from Billetto.ie. That's B-I-L-L-E-T-T-O.ie. I-E. I'm just going to
0: stop you there and say that we have sold tickets literally. Me and Paul got on the phone about an hour or so ago to chat about some stuff to do with the tour. Then we decided to press record on this. Literally in the hour that we've been talking, we've sold like six or seven tickets. So people are, you know, sort of lastminute.com, getting on some of these things, and buying in and as Paul says we think that one's going to sell out it's not sold out yet there's still a little bit of space there's a couple of VIP spaces but Dublin in particular the other shows are going nicely but they're bigger venues so you'll be cool but Dublin in particular do not wait until you know 7 o'clock on Saturday night and think ah I might just turn up you probably won't be able to
1: so I'm just going to say that we've literally got 15 tickets left in Dublin so and that is a push so once we get to 120 there'll be no we'll squeeze a few more in that will be the doors closed see you next week um right then we move on to england so on sunday sunday is the, 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 the the 16th we shoot over to birmingham and we're going to be at the around the world bar on um broad street now Again, I was at this venue last week. It's a what? If you don't know it, if you've never been, which most of you wouldn't, it's a complex of three bars. So actually, we're gonna because we've sold so many tickets, we're actually upgrading to one of the other bars on the site. But don't worry, they're all in exactly the same place. They share a same front door. So uh, just head for around the world, you won't go far wrong. Um, then we shoot over to Manchester at the comedy store Um, we're going to be there on Dean's Gate lovely venue, easily the best venue we're playing in terms of um, atmosphere and theatrics and whatever, it's it's a proper professional theatre so we're going to be there Monday the 17th Um, and then we end the tour sadly um, in in our spiritual home down in London at Walkabout Temple Um, and that is going to be um, yeah, so that's right on the the River Thames again, it's going to be a cracking night out we've sold a Easily our most tickets at that venue out of out of the four. Um, luckily it's a gigantic venue, so you know we're not going to sell out. There's probably going to be room for you, but it's going to be a hell of an atmosphere. So potter along.
0: Yes, if you come along to our um, pay-per-view parties, if you've been to any of our pay-per-view parties over the last uh, three years or so, um, that's where the uh, the Bruce show is going to be at the uh, the walkabout in London. I should say um, in London's uh, Walkabout Temple. Uh, where we've been for nine or ten pay-per-views now. and We have an absolute ball there, they're good people so we're um, uh, very excited to um, to be back there. It feels like the right place um, to finish off the week. Um, here's how things are going to work, just in case you're wondering about the structure. It is not a live podcast recording. It is not going to be a recording that you're going to then hear later on on the podcast. In fact, there is no intention for any of the podcast to be recorded broadcast at any point. There's a disclaimer that it might be that perhaps at some point a very small best of or just something might be done, but probably not. The intention is for no recording or broadcast at any point of these shows. So don't sit there thinking, ah, I just won't go live. I'll wait until it comes on the podcast feed. It won't, okay? Plus, here's the other thing, is Bruce can get away with saying some things live that he can't say on a podcast format. Remember that. So there's that as well. So Bruce is going to uh, maybe liven up and loosen up a bit more. We're going to have a a few uh, few pints at various different venues, and just uh, get Bruce talking. Um, I'm going to do my best to sort of pay and narrow him down on some of the uh, the bigger questions that we want asked and answered. Um, so at each venue, um, we're going to have some preordained material that we're going to talk about. And um, Bruce won't know necessarily what I'm going to talk about. We're going he will know the topics, but he's not going to know my questions. Uh, and we will do that for probably about two thirds or three quarters of the show. Um, each show will have a little interval so you get a chance to get some refreshments and whatever. But towards the end we have dedicated a block for your questions. So if you're coming along, make sure um, you've got some questions that you're thinking of. Make them good ones folks, I've hosted a lot of these things. And you would not believe the, bore not boring necessarily, but the same old questions that come up. People will say to wrestlers, Who's the one match that you wish you'd had? What's the one match that you look, you know, back on the most? What's your proudest moment? People will ask Bret Hart about Montreal, and they'll ask Shawn Michaels about, um, you know, losing his smile, and they'll ask Mick Foley about coming off the cage, and oh my goodness, ask some different stuff. With Bruce, you've got the world in front of you. Now you'll have listened to his podcast, or so you'll have listened to some of the things that he's covered. Find something different, or nail him down on something that he hasn't heard before. Don't just ask him. What about SummerSlam 92? You know what he'll say? Oh, on there. So just make sure you've got some good things. Um, And I am always... Happy to encourage the audience to um, let's face it, turn on the audience. If you think it's a bad question, you tell them it's a bad question. I think it it brings up the standard. That's the way we're working. Um, So they're going to be excellent shows for those people that are doing the VIP stuff. You will be informed exactly, or indeed you may have have you done it already, Paul, where where people have got to be. But um, everyone, so you should have your instructions. um, So make sure if you've got any problems at any point, please do um, send us messages. By email, social media, you know, fire stuff at us. Bear in mind, we're going to be traveling and having a lot of organizing to do, but we will be dedicating some time every day, all the time, just making sure that there are no problems. So if you do have a problem, please send us some stuff, and we will sort whatever we can out for you. Um, so Paul is going to now give you um, the social media where you can get us, and an email address as well, because while we're on the road, we will be looking out for your uh, your queries and helping you out where we can
1: well yeah I will one thing I will point out though first of all is that a lot we've we've pointed this out time and time again but we've still had messages on it and there will be no tickets sent out your email confirmation your name your confirmation number is your ticket yes not along we'll swap it for a wristband that's fine you're not expecting anything via email or via post so don't worry about it like you know I'm literally getting yeah I understand that it's there's a lot of information coming through, so no problem that people keep asking, but just want to reiterate it again. That said, if you've got any problems, any concerns, any questions, anything at all, just send us a message, Paul at hookedonevents.co.uk. I will do my level best to get back to you within the hour. Um, Saturday might be tricky because I'll be basically swamped all day, but uh, I'll do my very, very best. Dude, give me access
0: to your email, then I can do some of it if, if you're busy, so we can... Uh we can make sure that we're, um, we're sorting it out. So, listen, if, any, if anyone thinks that your question is too stupid, or I don't want to ask that, it's a silly question, don't be, don't be embarrassed to ask a silly question, then not ask it and then miss out and go to the wrong venue or don't, you know, you know do something that uh, you're not expecting. Just make sure, you know, you've got your details, especially those people that are VIP holders, platinum VIP holders, um, we really don't want you to miss out with your chance to, to meet Bruce. We have deliberately structured this um, the way the VIPs work particularly with the platinum VIPs so you will have time with Bruce and same for everyone we are not going to rush you and um, we don't want to push you through and just go sign smile off and go you know we will give you time the platinum VIP hit ticket holders who have paid that bit extra we are going to give them that little bit of extra time but everyone that's a VIP that is going to come and meet Bruce um, and get something signed get some pictures taken you're gonna have time to at least have a small chat um, and not just be pushed along. It's the worst thing when you've paid your hard-earned money, you've paid decent whack to come and meet someone, and all you get done is on a production line. There, stand there, smile. Now bugger off. That's not our business. That's not how we do things. Okay. Um, at the same time, you're not going to get 14 minutes, you know, on your own, just having your own little chat. Um, you know, you need to uh, respect the fact that there are other people that we need to get to. But uh, on the whole, people are wonderful at these kind of things. We love our fans. We love the wrestling fans uh, of this country, who are almost always. Wonderfully behaved. Bear in mind, folks, that we run these events in bars all over the country, and this is absolutely genuine and universal. These are people that work during rugby matches, football matches, um, also boxing pay per views, UFC pay per views, all these different things that are on. And time and time and time again, they say to us that the wrestling fans that they have are the nicest, most polite, there's never a problem. That's true, Paul, isn't it? It's, it is the uh, One thing that we pick up on all the venues that they say about that our fans
1: are so nice. Unquestionably, you know, you've got people, you've got staff literally falling over themselves to work until four o'clock in the morning on a Sunday night, Monday morning, just so they can experience the atmosphere of these things. Because wrestling fans are so brilliant, you know, uh, they, they contribute to the atmosphere. There's never any issues, you know, and we, you know, we count ourselves in this. We're all pretty decent, decent focused wrestling fans. Um, so I think you know, we can, we, wherever we go it's really easy for us to secure venues because you guys are loud happy, fun, no trouble at all so it's a very simple
0: mantra to go by that uh, a company that uh, many of you will be familiar with will say, basically here's a good rule in life, don't be a dick Okay. If you just get on with things and you're nice and smiley and everyone gets along, we will have a whale of a time. Don't be a dick. There we go. Um, right. Have we covered everything, Paul? Is there anything else we need to uh, need to shill? Because I'd like to talk some wrestling with you. I'd like to talk some pay per view stuff. I'd let's like to talk to you about some other things. But because
1: uh, uh, there might actually be people tuning into this podcast actually to hear what we've got to say rather than hear us do it. No. Lot of... uh, no. So surely let's, not. Let's do something for them.
0: Okay. Let's do that. Well, I wanted to. talk Well, here's the thing. Last Sunday there was a pay-per-view uh, and while the pay-per-view was on or just before the pay-per-view was on I should say Bruce and Conrad did a show next week on the Sunday after next there's a pay-per-view called Battleground and it's in Philadelphia and guess what Bruce and Conrad are doing a show around that they have only done four shows so far ever, 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 ever anywhere live, we're doing four next week, okay <laughs> so Bruce is going to take his live live show tally and double it in the next week we're going to double in and then we're going to double it, right? So that's oh, what's going to happen. And uh, we're going to get Conrad on later on. And we'll have a little bit of a chat about uh, some of their live show experience. And I'm sure he's keen to um, to mention the uh, the Philadelphia show as well. Because we do have listeners that aren't just uh, based over here in, uh, in the UK and Ireland. So if you are um, stateside, then you can get along to some of their shows over there as well. But at the moment, they're basically doing it around pay-per-views. They've done things around WrestleMania, um, around uh, TLC. But not TLC, what was the one? Um... Oh crikey! What was the one I did in St Louis? I'm terrible. I can never remember my uh, uh, a fatal uh,
1: four-way. Money in the bank.
0: Money in the bank. Of course, goodness me. Um, so uh, all of those shows are going on, but we're privileged. We're going to get four shows in a row just for the hell of it because we want to do it. So uh, that's a lot of fun. But so between pay-per-view Sundays, uh, you can uh, come and see Bruce on that particular day uh, in Birmingham. Uh, but last weekend there was a pay-per-view Sunday, uh, and it was uh, I think it was quite a big deal. It was uh, it was the first ever Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view. I'm going to say right from the start here, I don't have a problem with that name, and I have less of a problem with that name now than I did beforehand because I don't think what they did a good enough job of explaining was that they were going to have a little bit of fun with the the, the setting and the theme of it. They didn't go mad into too much old school 50s and 60s kind of Americana diner rock and roll side of things, but I really, really love the intro with the sort of the drive-in movie and how they were setting fun. things up that was really fun and I think if people had realised that they were going to go with that sort of thing they might have been quite down, so down on the name because well, to me Battleground doesn't mean anything and things in the past like Unforgiven and No Mercy and Armageddon and, they don't mean anything to me those things they're just words they sound like they could be metal
1: bands Did you um, did you hear the story sorry to jump in but I want to did you hear the Jerry Lawler story about how this all came about with the pay-per-view uh, I did not no so Okay, allow me to elaborate. Yes. So basically, um, the pay per view was called Great Balls of Fire right from the start, which is obviously it is on paper a ridiculous name. Kind of. Apparently, then Jerry Lawler, who is good friends with Jerry Lee Lewis, wouldn't surprise me. Of Great Balls of Fire fame, got a phone call from Lewis's lawyer, saying, "Look, I need to find out who the person in charge of, you know, this sort of thing is at WWE because." Jerry Lee Lewis has got the copyright on Great Balls of Fire and we want to send you a cease and desist so Lawler passed on the information on and presumably this lawyer got in touch and the next thing you know one thing leads to another and instead of giving a cease and desist and changing the name WWE have licensed Jerry Lee Lewis's track um, to play it to theme to pay so I I suspect that it was just a name at first and now I think they've gone full on on the 50s theme for that but yeah I I read presentation too.
0: Maybe so. Um, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis uh, is a wrestling fan, is my understanding. Um, I I listened to uh, the Edge and Christian podcast this week, and they talked about... Do you remember their famous um, Fat Elvis five-second pose?
1: I do indeed.
0: Ten-second pose, whatever it was. Um, That was uh, done... Jerry Lee Lewis was there. I think that was in... Did they say that was in Vegas or or something like that? And uh, Jerry Lee Lewis was in the audience, and they met him that day. So I believe that uh, Jerry Lee... Is a uh, is a wrestling fan, so it doesn't wouldn't shock me necessarily that uh, uh, that he was happy to to lend. I'm sure with a, a few uh, a few dollars on the end of it, but I wouldn't surprise me if he was happy to have uh, lent the the song to the pay per view. Anyway, that's we're not here to talk about songs and themes and that kind of thing. Although I do think sometimes it can set the stage, and it made it, it to me it said we're going to have some fun with this. Um, first and foremost, did you enjoy the show?
1: I well, I think you already know the answer to this, but uh, yes, I do. But I'm being a professional because we're not talking to just you and I for a change. Yes, I absolutely enjoyed the show from top to bottom. I thought it was a great pay-per-view. Um, I know I'm, I know I am Mr. Hyperbole and Mr. WWE Hype Man normally, but I thoroughly enjoyed it from start to finish. Now I've started watching pay-per-view slightly differently in the in the last couple of months, as as I mentioned before. I used to have a, I used to work for. Um, a large company um which kept me on the nine to five grind. Well actually eight till ten grind really. Um but ultimately I wasn't eight till not... 10 Only two hours? Uh, AM <laughs> to PM dude. Oh, um Chris. But... you worked for Christina Millian. Is that her name? <laughs> did she do AM to PM? You did mate, you did. But now I'm now I'm sort of my own boss working for a couple of different clients. I can I work from home. So I've got a nice little TV installed in my office with um with the WWE Network um, on it already, on the smart TV. So now, instead of waking up and on a Monday morning after a pay-per-view and reaching straight for my phone and checking out the results, now I avoid Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, for an hour or so, I'll have my breakfast, get my little boy out to school, and then my first three hours of my working day, and let's face it, you know, Monday morning, first three hours are not that productive for most of us. But when I'm catching up on my admin and doing all that sort of stuff, I've got the pay-per-view on in the background, and I can't tell you how much my enjoyment levels have gone up generally across the board, watching them without having knowing the results predetermined. It's it's a completely different ball game for me.
0: That's a pretty decent way of doing it, actually. I've gone from sort of one extreme to the other, where I was um, when I was freelance for seven years or so. A very very large part of my job was reporting on the wrestling. So mm. um, something that we were quite proud of really, with the, when I was working for the Sun, was that. Genuinely, I, I think we used to get the reports up quicker than almost anybody. Apart from, um, uh, I don't like calling them dirt sheets because I don't really think that's a fair enough term. But apart from sites like, um, uh, let's say, the, the Torch and The Observer, and apart from people like that, they're obviously looking after their own website. In yeah. terms of proper news outlets, most of the ones that the WWE site and what people look at um, will be either waiting until the following morning if they're in America, or... Spending the morning watching it, and if they're in the UK, I would say up till four. Watch the shows, write my report, send it in, um, and then the copy taker would you know take it first thing in the morning when they got in. And usually the report was on the site before ten. So yeah. we used to have the reports up. You know, you would wake up in the morning if you wanted to see the report. You know, we had it there quite quickly. Um, so, you know, not to pat ourselves on the back too much, but you know, excuse me, that was part of my you know remit. I wanted to stay up live and do that kind of thing. Then I discovered Twitter at the, at the behest of my boss at the time. You know, you must get into Twitter for, for the engagement of it. And I hated the idea and I turned out to love it. I'm not quite so keen on it these days, but there was certainly a period where Twitter was really, really wonderful to be part of and to get into this live tweeting game. Um, so I used to love doing it that way. Now I have a job that means that I'm probably not in my house until at least 6 o'clock on a Monday night. So I do have to um, to have that game of avoiding things all day. There's a couple of my mates that are particularly crap at um not, you know, keeping their thoughts in their head about certain things. So almost automatically I'll either get a message on some, you know, form or or other of social media by accident or design. So I don't often go all the way to the uh, the show not knowing anything, although no, I did this week. Um but uh generally speaking, I do have the problem that you used to have. And if I'm not working on the Monday, I tend to stay up and watch it live. So um I kinda like your idea of having a nice leisurely Monday and not literally. I'm not saying you're not working, mate. But um, but having on in the background at your own pace, it's probably quite a good way of doing it.
1: I I heard a great story. I can't remember who told it. Basically, I was I was put out on Facebook uh, early this week. Talk about saying this Amazon um, what's it called Amazon Echo. It was on offer. So I said.
0: <laughs> I thought you meant uh,
1: Alicia. That's in the um, the May Young classic. I put uh... Okay, carry on. yep yeah, no, no. So I put, so I put out, um, a little message saying, "Hey, has anyone got one of these? What they like? Blah 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 blah." So I saw that. yep yeah. yeah, So one of the bits of feedback I got back was, "Whatever you do, don't set it to wrestling news," because this guy was woken up on Monday morning automatically by his echo reading out the results from Great Balls of Fire. <laughs>
0: really? Oh no! Actually, it's a bit. It's a, it's a really crap thing of the WWE app. I have to say, I, or the WWE Network, which I adore. And if anyone's listened to this in the past, I've actually had people tweet me before and say. You know, are you employed by WWE to shill the network? Because I go on about how good it is so often. Especially when I used to do, in you know, other podcasts where I was a guest, I'd just come on and talk about the network for ages. But uh, mm. I'm really not... Um, I would take the uh, endorsement if they want to, but uh, uh, I'm actually doing it genuinely. Um, but one of the things I really dislike is, especially my iPad has a tendency to um, crash on the on the WWE app. I don't think it's the app itself. I think it's my iPad because it does it with other things. Um, but then when I reinstall it, sometimes I have to go and reinstall the settings... Uh, and I forget to turn off the push notifications and I will wake up in the morning, look at the iPad, and it will say, new champion, I go, oh, Christ, and so, you know, it gives away, the, it does give away the results quite quickly, yeah. um, and so I have to remember to turn that off, that does, uh, it does frustrate me greatly.
1: Well, w- why you're getting push notifications from WWE, I'm not sure what they could possibly tell you that would be so important to the push notifications, That's that's on you, my friend.
0: Oh, no, no, I'm hey I'm listening. I'm I'm not shitting the <laughs> but But they do if you if you if you leave it on you'll just turn over and it will tell you that this happened on Raw last night or this happened at the pay per view and um I don't really get their game on that one. They I could understand them saying there was a new champion last night, Find Out Who or something and not but not to say, you know, person X won the title.
2: Sure.
0: And I'm and I'm not talking about stuff like the um the AJ Styles title win last week, which I noticed that someone on our Facebook page um called you out for a spoiler and you sort of went well it's not a spoiler it wasn't on the telly it's not like it's not like you're about to watch it next it was on a house show all you're spoiling is spoiling smackdown from telling them rather than
1: you telling them so exactly it kind of baffled me a little bit i'm spoiling them reading about it on a news site elsewhere i I just think i think some people have an immediate reaction where if they read a news story um before it's aired on tv they just cry spoiler well, uh, let's face it, and I, I,
0: I mentioned this for a reason because I did it today to you. Yes, yes Paul, yes. Paul sent me a text earlier on talking, and I'm not even going to say what you sent, just in case people think you do have some sort of inside track or been reading on a, on a gossip site. But Paul sent me a text basically saying, um, really looking forward to SummerSlam, so and so versus so and so, and this person wrestling, and so and so versus so and so. And I went, whoa, 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 spoiler upon spoiler upon goddamn spoiler, because at that point. Um, I hadn't watched any... I've watched the pay-per-view from Sunday, but I haven't watched Raw and Smackdown yet. In fact, as of now, I've watched about an hour of Raw, but um, I'm not caught up on that yet, because uh, I haven't had a lot of time this week. But um, So I thought Paul was explaining things that had been revealed on Raw and Smackdown, and actually it wasn't it was just fantasy booking and waffling. But uh, So I, I apologise for that, mate. I uh, accused you of doing something which I know you
1: wouldn't do. <laughs> Thank you very much. Apology accepted. So Anyway,
0: on the subject of your text, you. though, you sent me a text um, saying... Uh, something along the lines of, uh, I think you were watching it, I think it was during Monday morning and you said I'm watching the pay-per-view, it's really good fun and I said no spoilers you said no of course not but I haven't even got to the main event yet and this was great and I love this video package and so you were extolling the virtues. Um, our our good friend uh, Chris Groves, part of the How team, he'll be helping us out in uh, in London. Um, Chris sent me a message during Monday as well and said, uh, I think it was Monday night, in fact, that said uh, if you've not seen the pay per view yet, you know, get it watched. And I think at that point I'd seen half of it, you know, so he was getting very excited about it. Um, so, here's the thing: a few years ago, I went to see Joseph and his amazing Technicolor Dream Co at the Theatre Royal in Plymouth. <laughs> and for many, many years, people have been telling me how amazing that show was. I love the music from Joseph. I have done. Uh, all my life, I know almost all the words to all the songs uh, but I had never seen it before, this is about 8 or 9 years ago and people had been telling me how amazing it was and so superb and the best thing ever and blah 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 and I went and I watched it and I went, that's pretty good pretty good, I was expecting more I was expecting more than just some people sat in some bleachers and then wandering down the front every now and again And it, it was like a big long assembly like a big long school assembly, good music and I had some fun but I didn't know, any, I didn't tell me anything I didn't know because I, I knew all the songs, I knew the story there's no real acting bits in it I was kind of let down by the presentation I might as well have stuck a CD on now I'm not saying that's exactly how I feel about Sunday but I kind of wish that you and Chris hadn't have told me how amazing it was because I watched it and went well it's okay to me it's a little bit, I'll tell you what's a better example one that you'll identify with because you're a big film guy the Oscars when the Oscars come out and something gets best picture or it's Yeah, nominated at least and people rave about it and you go and see it and you go, Well it's good and then he's a good actor and that's a good performance but I sort of knew that was gonna happen and that middle bit was boring and you're more picky because people have told you how great something is, whereas if they go, Ah, it's terrible
1: I know what you mean. And you you watch it and you quite like it, you go, hey, that was not bad. I know what you mean, and I'll tell you how I know what you mean, because you told this exact same story after I sent you a text about the Jericho Owens Festival of Friendship earlier in the year.
0: Have I told this on air? (laughs) Yes, you have. Shit okay fair enough we've got some new listeners since then so uh, that's just a just, we can recycle things every now and again I can't believe I've told that story before excellent
1: <laughs> I'm going to not tell you next time you do it I'm not going to tell you either I'm just going to see I'm going to keep a tally of how many times you tell us well, I'll,
0: I'll do it next week I'll probably tell you in the bar after, uh, after the Birmingham show or something oh, in there, oh,
1: yeah.
0: and you'll be like oh yeah, I've heard that one <laughs> okay well that, that's fine that's not a problem it's just re- it's positive reinforcement of absolutely an opinion. absolutely yeah, a... Oh no, I love the i Jer- I love the Jericho, I wouldn't sing, though So I, I've kind of been all that down on that, because I love that, in hindsight I love that one So um, I went back and watched that not that long ago, because um, we actually talked about that again in the uh, in the week Did we not? Because um, I said that I'd been, was it you I was talking, I think, I think it was I was talking about going back and watching the, um, uh, the Mick Foley and The Rock This Is Your Life segment yes, And, right, and yeah. I watched it and went, mm, do you know what, it's not that good controversial opinion I don't think it's that good I know it's the highest rated segment of all time and you can't really argue against the numbers but I think it drags I don't think it's that funny Uh, the Owens and Jericho one is a million miles better than the uh, the Mick Foley um, rock this is your life in my humble opinion
1: I I would if you look if you look at them both through the prism of hindsight I agree I would say Festival of Friendship was significantly better
0: Definitely. But that was a long time ago. and We're not talking about that. Back to the pay-per-view. Um I I enjoyed the pay-per-view. There was very little I found wrong with it. I'm a little bit concerned about we have simply having a run of um heel win, he'll win, heel win, heel win pay-per-views. You know, let's have some things to cheer us up from time to time. It does feel a little bit as if you know, you need to have a little bit of a mix. I'm not saying every baby face wins all the time, but I am saying that my first ever pay-per-view was SummerSlam ninety one. Which is pretty much a babyface fest. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I want to say there's a there's a heel win in there somewhere, but it's a pretty insignificant one. It's the um, I think I'm it sure. might. I think the natural disasters beat the bushwhackers. I think. Um, um, but even even at the end of that, there's a bit with uh, with Andre um, where you get, they get some heat back and the LOD come down. But apart from that, it's pretty much baby face wins all night. Brett yeah. wins the IC title. Hulk and Warrior win. There's the opening six man is a baby face win. Um, Bossman beats Mountie, Virgil beats Million Dollar Man. It's like it's just baby faces all night. LOD, beat um, Nasty Boys. I think it just goes on all night. And it, at one point, Roddy Piper even goes, "What a night!" Or Gorilla does, or one of them. And I can just remember as a kid thinking, "Wow, this is fantastic." I was like seven, watching this pay per view, and just everything that happened. Everyone I was familiar with, because my mates had told me about all one. And I'm not certain. I've always said this. I'm not certain that I wouldn't have got into wrestling had it not for being such a brilliant Bret Hart match and for baby faces winning all night. I'm not sure how many people would have watched, uh, at seven or eight years old, watch Great Balls of Fire on Sunday night and really got into the wrestling. Not that, that's necessarily the, uh, not that that's necessarily the goal of every show.
1: I don't think it's any coincidence, to be honest, that there was such a face-heavy win column. And you look back now, and there are so many people who are our sort of age, you cite that show as their first show. Me, you... Tons of other people we've spoken to over the years, and they all say that was the show that got them hooked on wrestling. <laughs> and, hey, who got them? And, what, Paul? Yeah, because um, because I think there's like you say, there's full fully, fully baby safe wins in the important matches. There was IRS beating Greg Valentine as well, but the point stands, and there were all very good moments of matches as well. The Great Bret Hart match, the great fun stuff with the boss uh, the boss man and the mounty, LOD in the street fight. There was tons and tons and tons of it,
0: and it's uh, a very cool thing of my job. That, uh, I got to tell the Mountie that it's, it's nice to. I actually got to meet uh, Jacques Rougeau and talk to him about that very pay-per-view and I said to him you know you are a small part of me actually getting into wrestling and it was and, uh, I meant it genu- genuinely and it was a very cool moment in my life to have uh, had a chat to uh, the Mountie about that oh, nice. um Anyway, what was I, your highlight? Since you were you were higher than me on this pay per view, what was your highlight of the show? We'll work we'll work from there. Well, let's do
1: that because you know we don't want to be skip- we don't want to be talking about the, the nuts and bolts of the pay per view. I now we're not going to go match by match.
0: That's a bit bit trying test it, But we'll talk about the high spots.
1: Going in, I would have told you that it was only going to be one highlight for me, and that was Lesnar. Joe, I was just so excited for this match. It felt like a one match show, um, dream match for me. Two of my favourites of all time with a brilliant build. This was what it was all about for me this pay-per-view but coming out of the pay-per-view the match that the match and the aftermath that I enjoyed most by far was Braun Strowman against Roman Reigns now interesting Rob will back me up on this I've always been a fan of the big man a fan of a man a big man who can really like it's a
0: big, the big man, man rather than the big dog
1: the big man you, rather than the big you're, dog the you're big talking man. about the concept of the big man are you and, and I tend to without blowing my two mind on I tend to be able to when it comes to big wrestlers I tend to be able to jump on the bandwagon earlier than most. And I Ryback, Ryback being the prime example, um, but there's been a few others. Strowman, I have been on the Strowman train since the day after the brand split when he started squashing jobbers. Um, and he was still sort of And I just straight away I went, that guy has got something. And I've been proved abundantly right. I think he's phenomenal. Um, I'm going to make a, quite a controversial point after I've recapped the match. But essentially... This was a double turn. And I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that it was a double turn. You got a match where Braun Braun Strowman did absolutely nothing heelish. Then you had a finish where, again, he won clean as a whistle through the Roman Reigns mistake. And then Roman Reigns ambushed him after the match, even though he had no reason to in the context of the match. The real telling point for me, though, came when they went backstage it wasn't like you know you've seen baby faces before who lay a beating onto heels the one that always sticks in my mind is Austin getting his revenge over Triple H when he drops that car from the crane but this was different this was premeditated Reigns thought about what he was going to do and the key moment in that whole segment was when he'd just got into the backstage with the ambulance and you saw the camera focused on the wing mirror and you could see his face and there was a moment where nothing happened and there was a moment where you could, and credit to Roman, the acting was great. You could see the cogs turning in his head, deciding, making a complete and utter rational decision whether he was going to do what he was going to do. And he decided, "Yep, that is what I'm going to do." That was the moment for me that Roman Reigns officially turned here And then Strowman, who let's face it, really has been a face for a good few weeks now. When he stumbled out of that ambulance after the jaws of life, and the, the firemen had opened it. Um, I just thought it was and the way the Grey came out all bloodied and wouldn't accept any help. Again, that was just like Steve Austin at the end of WrestleMania 13. That was a face turn, officially. Um, I think you're gonna see, you know, when he comes back, he is gonna be a huge big time main event face. The other thing I liked about the presentation was the, the way they cut away to the Heath Slater match, the Slater-Hawkins match, and they had them coming down the ramp, pulling their gear on, just showing that they weren't actually ready for this match, and then you didn't actually see most of the match on TV. I, I'm told that 360-degree um, top-rope Canadian destroyer that Heath Slater used to win was absolutely fabulous. Uh, but, but we didn't see it, and I love the fact that, you know, we weren't necessarily concerned it was put there to distract the live crowd in kayfabe terms and we were still looking at what was important I thought it was a really nice presentational touch but the controversial hot take that I'm going to I'm going to drop is that for me this was kind of the proving ground for Strowman and I've I'm sure I've mentioned this to you before Rob I've been banging on about it for years that they need a successor to The Undertaker and that guy can't just be a big man. He needs to be a big man who has got an aura, who's got a look, who's got longevity. And I think they may have found him in Braun Strowman. his I, early days. And I'm not comparing him to The Undertaker in terms of skill or what he's accomplished or whatever. But I just think that that phenom character, not just a big man, but a phenom who is an unstoppable force. You know, it comes along once in a generation. You had Andre the Giant, Playing that role previously, then you had the Undertaker, and that's it. And I think playing the cards right, and a lot of chips have got to fall the right way. It's not a given, but if they do, it, if they do it right, Braun Strowman could be the next guy in that lineage. I think he has got such a bright future. He keeps improving the way he has. He's phenomenal.
0: I. I don't agree. Um I agree with I agree <laughs> that he's I agree that he's good right now in, in the um he has exceeded expectations um for where he is right now. There's a Bruce Pritchard expression where he talks about certain people, um, the Ultimate Warrior is one, um Sid Justice is another one. Yep. Um where he says that they look great and then what happened?
1: Then the and bell then, rang.
0: And then the bell rang. <laughs> Listen, Strowman is doing really well. The best thing about Strowman is he looks legit. He doesn't try and do things that um that he can't do. He looks like he's fighting people. He looks like he's hurting them. So he's ahead of the aforementioned Sid and Warrior already, and several other people that you know looked mean, but actually when they were wrestling, didn't really look like they were going to hurt you very much. Um, that's the thing that some people, dare I say, you know Vince included, have never seemed to get that actually, especially in an era where we get to see MMA fighters, you know, that legitimate tough guys that are very small. Um, that genuinely, if you watch Sid or you watch uh, the Warlord uh, or, one or any other of those you know massive guys from that era, none of them look as tough as Daniel Bryan, who might be a foot shorter and 300 pounds lighter or whatever. But the way that Daniel Bryan wrestled, his kicks looked like they hurt. His moves looked like they hurt. And Sid, as I've heard um, Wade Keller say before, Sid threw punches like he was a cat batting away a ball of yarn. And it it just didn't really work. And this is the point is that, you know, William Regal was a guy that looked like he could hurt you, and Chris Benoit looked like he could hurt you. And, you know, it's, it's worth having those people. Even Kevin Sullivan, to an extent, who was a little fella, you know, could do things that had people believing in him. I'm not a massive Kevin Sullivan fan, but I'm saying that someone that was short but could still get you behind them and you know Finn Balor is another one Finn Balor wrestles realistically and makes you think that that he can if not hurt you but out wrestle you Mm. Um, big guys need to wrestle in the same sort of manner and to be fair to Strowman I think he does in terms of you know some of the more believable things he does he's a very cartoony but he's just about on the right side of cartoony that gets away with his. Whoa. I think anyone not watching wrestling, no non wrestling fans are going to get tuned in by watching Strowman. They're going to laugh at him. Because that... it's over the top and stupid and cartoony. But that's okay. We shouldn't always worry about what bloody non wrestling fans think, we should worry about what we think. And it's kind of okay. My problem is is that if you're going to talk about Strowman in terms of Undertaker term, that's ludicrous by the way, but if you're going to talk him in terms of any sort of, that Strowman's, I'll tell you what's a better example. Go one down. Go Kane. Go Kane or the Big Show. That's what you want to look out for Strowman. Because Kane and the Big Show were around 20 years ago. And Kane would still, I mean he's not been around for a little while now, but he would still get a pop and be believable if he came out now. Big Show came out at the start of Raw to face off with Big Cass this week. Still gets a reaction. If Strowman can do that in 10 years' time, fair play. The thing is, The Undertaker got away with it, in the sense that The Undertaker didn't have a good match for the first 10 years of his career, I'm exaggerating, but generally speaking, there ain't many good Undertaker matches until, you know, the turn of the century, until they allowed him to not necessarily be a zombie, and then you started to get some good Undertaker matches. I'm sure we'll discuss him one day in our Best of Times, Worst of time feature, which, by the way, will return uh, when we come back after the tour. But... I can't see Strowman ever having any of those matches. If he holds the belt one day and has you know matches at the top, he's not going to be able to perform the matches that this generation's crowds expect. You used to get away with not having great wrestling matches on the top of WWF. You can't do it anymore, not for a long stretch of time. Matches have to deliver. No. And Albeit, so far, in the stuff he's done with Reigns and others, they've been fun attractions, but you have to book him in... Sh- an ambulance match is a garbage... Um, Um, what's the word I'm looking for stipulation I hate things that ambulance matches they don't make any sense basically the only reason Strowman won that match is because he got out of the way oh wow that's a a big way of winning a match isn't it getting out of the way and it's like it's just such a stupid concept but you have to book don't get me wrong I enjoyed the match for what it was the fight was good it was a good spectacle it was a good sideshow but if you're ever going to have Strowman in a serious position on top for a long time, he has to be able to work interesting, good matches. And hey, there's a, there's an example of someone that came unstuck by that, and he's called Bill Goldberg. You know, so the aura of Goldberg worked up until a certain point, but Goldberg, had he stayed fit, had WCW stayed going, he still he would not have been able to sustain that at the top level. He just couldn't have because at some point people see through that. They well, didn't. The, the only the only era where anyone got away with it was Hogan. Hogan had his formula and he managed to get through those matches through that era but you could not pick up Hogan now and drop him into this era and have him work the same way because people would just see through it people would boo Hogan the way that they boo Roman Reigns Roman Reigns is a better wrestler than Hulk Hogan I didn't say worker because I don't like people using that term because the whole idea of working is to get money out of people and that was what Hogan did almost better than anyone but Reigns is a better wrestler than Hulk Hogan ever was it's just he's not necessarily got the right character yet. If you're right about the double turn and he's going heel, ooh, we could be in for something. But I'm just going to say for to you know to wrap that up a little bit. I am a I am turned as far as Strowman goes. I, if you listen to old podcasts when I was, I might have been telling the same stories about uh, watching pay per views, but I was probably telling different stories in terms of what I thought about Strowman. I will change my tune and say he's won me over. But the new Undertaker, behave yourself
1: well all I'll say is to make a couple of points on that if you can name me a, a great Undertaker match in the first uh, 10 years of his career uh, in WWE um, then all power to you uh, that's, what I, that's
0: what I said that's my point
1: ok fair enough so, that, so that, that and then secondly let's hark back to how we started this conversation Somersand 91 you and I both look at that pay per view alright I'm, I'm not putting you in this bracket necessarily because your biggest takeaway from that was the Bret Hart match but certainly me that match the match that drew me in the matches that drew me in on that pay-per-view the Legion Doom against the Nasty Boys and the Big Boss Man against the Mountie neither of which were five-star classics far from it they were over the top cartoony um, exciting and I think that's the bit that wrestling's been missing right so you
0: well give me hang on well give me me the next 15 years of great Big Boss Man matches
1: let me me finish this no let me finish this so what I was going to say is it's great, and you're absolutely right that the current crowd that's watching WWE right now, to them, a main event match is you know, it's two guys that can really go in the ring, and that's fine. I completely agree with that. But you look at the, the way WWE's audience is now, and that audience has now shrunk significantly, but those hardcores at the center, the reason they're still thriving is because those hardcores at the center are willing to spend much, much more. But around the edges they have lost that casual audience because the casual audience just don't care about Daniel Bryan against Roderick Strong, for instance. The casual audience, when they tune into Monday Night Raw and they're flicking through their TV and they say, Braun fucking Strowman, six foot nine, giant bearded fella, screaming that he hasn't finished with Roman Reigns yet, that is what drags in those peripheral audience that can add... a substantially to the to the wider fan base. You're right.
0: No, no it doesn't. You've completely got that the wrong way around. The casual fan that's not really a wrestling fan puts that on and laughs at cartoony, silly, over-the-top wrestling with the big man with the big beard and the big boots going, I haven't finished with you. It's... it's Sub Schwarzenegger acting. I'm not knocking him because it's going to work in our area. And like I said, sod people that don't watch wrestling anymore. Let's just worry about what we've got and entertain them, right? So I'm not having a go at Strowman, but no, the casual fan would, no, the the ordinary person in the street would laugh their head off at that. They would see people. The whole point was that they didn't laugh their head off Austin. I must have told this on the podcast before that I, my dad took me to my first ever live show in 1996, yeah. and the only person my dad thought was any good at all. Because he couldn't get my head around why I was cheering for strange men in dungarees singing Don't Go Messing With The Country Boy and all that kind of stuff. He thought that was ludicrous and that an undead zombie trying to fight, you know, a, a big fat guy in a mask that's Undertaker and Vader was ludicrous and Dad couldn't get his head around any of those things and why they were interesting. Austin came out Kicking someone, flipping the bird, and just looking cool. And Dad went, "Oh, I like him." Yeah. L- literally, the only person i because he looked genuine, looked like an everyman that could kick someone's ass. You're absolutely right. That's he- not what Braun Strowman looks like. No. Braun Strowman is a stupid cartoon.
1: People are not going to get drawn in by that. You're talking about the biggest star the business has ever seen, and the reason he's the biggest star the business has ever seen is because he brought all those elements together. He he was perfect, and he he did do that. Now. What I'll say is that, like, and again, I think we're going to have to agree to disagree on this one. But certainly, my final point is that the casual audience, the decline of the casual audience, has mirrored the rise of, of true out-and-out sort of indie darling wrestlers. And I love that as much as anyone, but the fact is, as they've grown in prominence, the casual audience has gone down.
0: But there's a. No, no, I'm but... going to call no. I'm going to call bullshit again because here's the thing: is that they. Of those quote-unquote indie darlings, and I hate the people that say, you know, oh, they shouldn't go to WWE, they'll just mistreat them, because that's bullshit, because look how many XROH roh wrestlers have done absolutely brilliantly at the top of the card right now. But the biggest mistake that WWE have made in the last, maybe in their entire history, right, I'm, I'm willing to go that far you talk about you being the king of hyperbole, I am saying it might be the biggest mistake in their history is that they didn't go with Daniel Bryan. Now, I'll give them one little asterisk, is that maybe just maybe, they realised about his health before he did, and that's why they didn't go with him, because they knew at some point he'd be out of the action. So I'll give them that possible little thing. But even then, they could have gone with it for that short amount of time, and I know that he beat Triple H and won the title at WrestleMania, and it seems to nullify my point, but it really doesn't, because he didn't He was never the star, and that audience wanted him to be the star. And I think even John Cena would have been happy with Daniel Bryan being the star. No one has been that over in that space of time like Daniel Bryan was on the back of the Daniel Bryan and Kane tag team, the matches with the Shield, and then the push he got from that, or the non-push he got from that. That is the most over I have seen anyone since The Rock. Agreed. And... More, He was more over, in that microcosm of time, not over a ten year stretch, but in that microcosm of time, he was more over than Cena ever was, than Brett ever was, than Shawn Michaels ever was. Genuinely, I'm, just, I'm not exaggerating, I he absolutely was. And you just cited an example of Daniel Bryan versus Roderick Strong being the kind of matches that don't bring people in. I say, true about Roderick Strong, who's a great wrestler with no personality. But Daniel Bryan, no, Daniel Bryan was exactly the person that would bring people in because people would look at him and go, they, if they were booking him as being the stupid little guy with the beard, I hated the beard, by the way, I know it worked in its own way, but if he'd have tidied that beard up, it's the yes that got everyone going, not the beard. It's the yes and the music and the way he wrestled, and that was getting
1: people. I agree. And if they'd
0: have gone with that for a long time, that would have worked. So It's got nothing to do with... The indie darling thing that you just said. It's to do with the presentation of the main guy. And the presentation of the main guy over the last ten years has been Cena. And then on a secondary level has been Randy Orton and people like that. And they are not going to bring anyone in either. Other than kids for I love John Cena. But Cena is a, is a kids wrestler. That adults should respect in a similar way to Hogan, but not quite with such a broad mainstream appeal. Austin was different because Austin appealed to absolutely everybody, and so would Daniel Bryan have. And if they'd have gone with that at the right point, who knows? Now, as I say, maybe they knew that he was going to get injured; they didn't want to put all their eggs in the basket. But I call bullshit on that to an extent. So I'm, all I'm doing, I'm not massively disagreeing with you here, by the way. But I'm saying that you're picking the wrong examples by saying that Daniel Bryan and Roderick Strong wouldn't have appealed to a certain audience Daniel Bryan would That's and you're saying that Strowman is a new Undertaker which is horseshit but generally I don't think you're, you're far off
1: <laughs> well I'll agree with you on Brian it's a poor choice of example but we'll have to uh, wait and see on the Strowman thing let's talk about this again on episode 3092 of the Huffington yeah. Podcast we? <laughs> yeah if we're still, if we're still alive uh, let's talk a little bit about the
0: main event I'm going to tell you a quick story first um, in 2009 I was at Bound for Glory TNA Bound for Glory in uh, Southern California uh, and I watched a match between Samoa Joe and Bobby Lashley. Um, That match was... I don't think it was an MMA rules match although it might have been but they basically wrestled it like an MMA match and I hated it. I absolutely hated it. Stood to my left was a man called Patrick Lennon who's worked for the Daily Star for many years has been on this podcast was part of the original How team he's a very very good friend of mine and indeed yours Paul and um, me and Pat watched that together and we actually came quite close to having an argument about that match I can remember we were both going to the loo just after it had happened and we thought we were scheduled to be interviewing Lashley after the show I think it was Lashley we were supposed to be interviewing Lashley after the show and we went back, we were having a pee and having a little chat as we were walking back to our seats, and I said, oh, I didn't really care for that, blah, blah, blah. And Pat went, well, you tell him that then. When we got to interview you bloody tell him that you didn't like that match. Because <laughs> Pat loved it. Because Pat's much more of an MMA fan than me, i.e. I don't care for it. And Pat, at that point in particular, was really into it and was doing his... Uh, his um, uh, What training does he do? Is it, is it Jiu-Jitsu or is it Muay Thai? I can't uh, remember it, uh,
1: Muay Thai, It's, um, thing.
0: it's one. Of, he does one of them anyway. He's back into doing it now. But uh, So he won't thank me for forgetting. But... Um, So Pat was dead into it and I wasn't. In the end, we didn't interview Lashley for whatever reason. I wish we did. But me and Pat actually had a little mini-argument about it, and we soon made up because we're pals. But I remember hating that match. And coming into this one, I was thinking, well, I like Samoa Joe, and I like Brock Lesnar, but are they really, are they going to do the same sort of thing that Joe and Lashley did, and am I going to hate this again? The good news is, no, I didn't. I really, really enjoyed it. I don't buy the whole while it was too short for a main event, blah, 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 blah. I didn't even think about the time. I just thought they had a kick-ass match. And I think, here's the point of all this. They had to try to achieve two things. They had to try to achieve getting Lesnar back on the straight and narrow, having, the, having had the losses to Goldberg. I know he beat him at WrestleMania, but Lesnar needed another win. Um, whatever they do next, it looks like maybe they might do Lesnar and Strowman. I, don't, I haven't finished watching Raw yet, but that figures to me what they would probably do. Um, but we'll see. Um, but they needed to get Lesnar back onto the basis so that they could get him to um, a match at SummerSlam in, in a good position. So Lesnar had to win. I thought they were going to feed whoever won the Fatal Five way to Lesnar and have them get knocked off. That's why I thought it was going to be someone like Wyatt yep. uh, who could afford to get battered. When it was Joe, I was happy for Joe that he was number one contender, but I was trepidatious that he was just going to get battered and build up Lesnar. The whole point over the last four or five weeks... The 4 or 5 weeks building up to the show have been way more important than the show itself. Because they have made Joe look like a superstar. Paul Heyman made him look like a superstar. Brock Lesnar made him look like a superstar. Whoever's been booking the whole thing has made him look like a superstar. It has worked. The match itself, they put Joe in a position where at times you believed he was going to win. And I love the finish. I love that Lesnar just picked him up and hit him with the F5 and won. And we didn't have all this 5 minute near fall, 5 finishes each bullshit. It looked like Lesnar caught him out of nowhere, and do you know what? It wasn't totally dissimilar to Lesnar's first ever MMA fight or his first ever t- um, uh, UFC fight, yeah, where he was on top and then he got n- and then he got nipped, didn't he, by um, uh, Frank Mir? Yes,
1: yeah. yeah, good yeah. job, Yeah.
0: So um, there was a little bit of that story in the sense that you know it's a, hey, listen, "Taylor's old as time, song as old as rhyme" is to have the the underdog have the most of the match and then have the the main guy win. So he wins and gets the win, and the other guy gets 80% of the match and gets some shine. Listen, that's not brand new in wrestling. You know, that's Gotch and O'Connor and everyone Hackerschmidt, right? But I thought they did a beautiful job of that. I thought Joe, I, I, like I say, I'm not watching. I'm not watching Raw to the point where Joe's on it. I assume he'll be on it at some point. But to me, Samoa Joe is so much more valuable to WWE now than he was a week ago, and that he was six weeks ago. And I think that is the main thing to come out of all this
1: yeah i i echo everything you said mate to be honest i thought the build the build was sensational and we all know and most people already knew, knew what joe could do from his time in ring of honor tna nxt etc but this really brought him to the fore in wwe and it really showed those fans that aren't familiar and that the company themselves have got faith in the guy do you know what my favorite bit in the build was the bit to me that really made some that obviously there was a pull apart brawl and the way that the those two have gone at each other without showing any ounce of fear was one thing. But the bit on I the think most, I
0: think you're gonna say well, the whisper to the whisper to Heyman. The whisper
1: to Heyman, yeah, where he just backed him up in the corner and calmly told him exactly what he was gonna to do to him. And Loved it. Did it. I thought that was so well done. It was Eva's idea that was bravo, sir, phenomenal. Um, the match itself felt like such a big occasion. You know, it felt, like say, like two big ass kicking bastards who weren't afraid, who were going to go full on on each of it. And I really enjoyed it. One thing I will say, I'm a massive Lesnar fan, always have been since 2002. Love the guy, even before he came into WWE when he was OVW. I remember raving about him, big fan. However, this suplex city shtick has got a bit tired for me now. Yeah, I agree I, with that. You know, like it's it's. Very difficult to get a good match out of Lesnar now because all he will do is suplex German suplexes and he can do so much more. It's frustrating because while we had a good match and I think in, in terms of booking it was very good and I liked how it made both men work, you know, elevate well it certainly elevated Joe and it made Lesnar look tough and strong. But as a match, oh no, you know, it could have been so much better. And like if they do have a rematch down the line, I hope they do. Um I really want to see Lesnar. Is, is it laziness? I don't know. Maybe. Um, is he think that's what? Does he think that's what the people want? Maybe. But I would really like to see him sort of kick it up another gear and and, and knock that Suplex City stuff on the head because he can. It wasn't you know it wasn't that long ago that he was having that triple threat match with Seth Rollins and John Cena at the Royal Rumble, which was phenomenal, and he played a full part in that. So. Uh, I love the out, love the build, love the outcome, love the booking. wasn't massively hot on the match, but it felt huge. And wrestling for me is all about making what it makes you feel uh, and the moments it creates. And this match built the equity in the build and then paid off massively in the aura around it. So I came out of that match feeling fantastic, um, even though as a purist, wasn't that exciting.
0: Fair enough. I think fair enough with all that. Um I did think that um uh I've thought about the, the suplex thing a, a few times and I don't want to get into um into Bruce territory here, but uh you know, I think there's a case of um you know what they wanna see, pal?
1: Suplexes.
0: You know, I, I feel that's the you know, Vince yeah. Just do suplexes, I love it. It just that feels to me as if it's it's part of the that's what's worked that's brought him to the dance, so so keep on doing it. It is funny though, how people some people are Kind of immune from criticism. How Roman Reigns gets well, all he does is punch people and spear people, and it's like well, all Lesnar does is bloody F5s and suplexes. But you don't get Lesnar getting the same grief as Reigns. Not that they're in, I'm not saying they're in the same ballpark. They're not really. But I'm just saying that uh, it's a little bit one rule for one, and more one rule for another. Um, I want to pick your brains on one match in particular. Um, we're not like I said, we're not going to go through all of them. Um, but I want to ask you about one. And if you want to bring up any more than we can do before, uh, before we um we give a call to uh, Conrad. Um. I want to talk to you about Sheamus and Cesaro versus the Hardy Boys. I'm
1: glad you've asked that.
0: Um, there's a couple of reasons. Um, I'll start with the um, the nature of the the Hardys themselves um, before I go into uh, into the, a couple of other points about the match that I'd like to pick up on. Um, there was a lot of talk about when the Dudleys were in. All WWE did with the Dudleys was just use them to put other put other people over. Uh, eventually, Devon's retired and got a backstage job. You know, Bully Ray's out working with other organizations, and, and sort of going back to that uh, that's, that character again, which should be quite fun. But they didn't really go through with them. Um, were they going to do more with the Hardys? Well, they came, you know, straight in with their big moment at WrestleMania, and they've been working in some big positions and, and whatever. But here's the thing: while it was frustrating that the Dudleys weren't given more of a chance, they were at least protected in certain ways by not being asked to out you know outperform their boundaries, if you if you see what I'm saying. I thought that half an hour on Sunday night really, really exposed Matt and Jeff. I don't, I'm not sure at any point in their career they've been great half-hour guys. But now, uh, I think 43 and 39, something like that, their ages, maybe even a bit older. Um, I just think for guys in their late 30s, early 40s, particularly early 40s, I think, I think it looks like it's caught up with them. I'm not certain how old Seamus and Cesaro are. They're probably not that much younger. But I thought Seamus and Cesaro massively outperformed the Hardys. I thought they looked a better team, which is nuts considering the Hardys have been a team for 20-odd years and are brothers. But I thought Seamus and Cesaro looked a better team. They came out to a synchronised entrance wearing the same sort of gear and came down together. Yep. Matt and Jeff don't even look alike. You wouldn't pick out that they're brothers. They dress differently, they act differently. And sometimes that's kind of cool for a team. But the Seamus and Cesaro looked more of a team. They wrestled like more of a team. They pulled off their moves much crisper. In the in, they looked like they could still go. I thought it really exposed the Hardys. Now, I'm, I have seen Raw um, to the point where the Hardys are in it. And so I've seen them tease the, uh, the obsolete broken lines, so we'll see where we're going with that. I've always thought that perhaps they'll lose and lose and lose so they can at least do whatever the WWE version of the broken Hardy stuff is. But I do worry about I, to me, if anyone wants to be picky backstage and um, as picky as I'm being, I think Vince or whoever's you know running things these days could look at the Hardys on Sunday and go, "Now nah, I think it's time we just put them into the middle of the card and use them to get other people over."
1: Um, that's a fair point. I think you know. First of all, I really enjoyed this match. I think you're absolutely right in that the Hardys aren't a 30 minute team, but I thought they what they did do is they is they bookended the match really well. So I, I really like that opening spot where Seamus and Zara got the opening fall. Again, made them look like such a smart team, and they are a phenomenal team. Probably the best team in WWE at the moment. In fact, no, definitely the best team in WWE at the moment. Nah, Revival. But good yeah, point. go on. Let, let them prove it first. I, yeah. God, they can, but they've proved nothing. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Um, Sheamus and Zaro are the team in WWE. Um, What they did really smartly is that they, they had that opening flurry. Then they had, a the, like you say, the lull because the Hardys can't go full on for 30 minutes and probably neither can Sheamus and Cesaro. But then those last 10 minutes were so exciting. I thought it was really good wrestling. I thought all the guys in it sort of pushed to a finish. It's quite hard to pace an Ironman match. I'm not the biggest fan of the stipulation because it's really hard to build that tension all the way through the match. Um, I think they did a really good job and this is one of the best Ironman matches I've seen in both in terms of work and in terms of booking. Enjoyed it. Um, but as to your point on the Hardy Boys, I think they have got to be really careful and I think it, it seems to me, and I'm completely speculating obviously, but it seems to me that the plan is they came in with that gigantic pop at Wrestlemania and that was worth it alone if they do nothing else for the next 12 months that's worth it but it does look to me like yeah that, that was plan A and then the next step is getting this broken universe stuff in because every time like you say on Raw as soon as Jeff Hardy started saying fade away and, and classify us as obsolete the crowd just went bananas and like they're so ready to see those broken characters and once they become broken Match quality is neither here nor there. And like again, I say, not, not every character, not every wrestler on that on that roster has to be delivering great matches. They have to just keep the keep the fans involved somehow. And for a period of time, it won't last forever. But for a period of time, Broken Matt and Brother Nero will get the fans on side fantastically. And, so, and, and the fans will be they've I've been, been dying to cheer them ever since they came into TNA. they like the delete chance were going on in WWE nine months ago. Um they'll be absolutely as soon as they come out and let oh let's hope they get some sort of approximation of the TNA entrance and the music. But when Brother Nero and uh and Matt Broken Matt come out they, you wait and see. There's another lease of life in that team yet. Yeah? I think you're absolutely right. I think if they didn't have that gimmick to go to, I think you'd, you're dead right. I think the nostalgia thing will wear off very quickly, and they'll be mid card and and go, Or maybe, maybe you see them split up. Matt get the push, and Jeff, I'm sorry, Matt get the the, the heave ho, the elbow, and um and then try and make a main eventer out of Jeff again because it could work. But it
0: actually it actually could because. You know, Jeff
1: does have that aura around him that he can
0: yes. suddenly if he can still do, you know, those five or six, you know, high flying moves, then Jeff is a, a natural baby face that can get beaten up for a long time and then come back with a comeback. You know, that's again again Taylor's old as time, but he can do that. So he has still got that in him if the fans believe in him. That is that is a route that they could go down.
1: Exactly. But I I I know you and I's opinions slightly differ on the broken stuff, and I think you're gonna. To... No, they don't sli- They don't
0: slightly opinion. <laughs> they don't slightly differ. I think it's rubbish.
1: Yeah, but you. But... what you don't like about it is all the hokey stuff that goes with it. I yeah. think when they bring it into WWE, you're not gonna get that, are you? Because fair dudes no. I, well, <laughs> well, well,
0: House of House of Horrors.
1: Yeah, but again, mm. it's, I don't, I, it's not a permanent thing. I I personally think when that comes to WWE, it's gonna get the bits of it that you like, and I think it's gonna do away with the bits you don't like, and I think you're gonna see it in a different line because it's going to be it's going to be the rob mcnichol redo of uh, a broken Matt and, and uh, <laughs> yeah, they'll, li-
0: they'll listen to my uh, to my little notes <laughs> yes, about it But well, i
1: did um, like that was that was that was another highlight of the card for me that match i thought it was um, i thought it was excellent and i think it, it's driven by the fact that i i do absolutely adore shames and Zara. i think i mention it every time we talk they're two big ass kicking bastards um, they clearly are having fun like you say they've got the matching gear they've got very matching styles they really remind me of like an APA throwback or Doom or someone like that And I'd, APA actually is probably the best comparison they remind me of yeah. Prime APA um, and I think you're going to get these guys you're going to have a 6 month heel run the bar and then they've got no choice but to go back to and, and they'll be massive and them against the Revival Running into Royal Rumble WrestleMania season next year is going to be amazing.
0: It's 21st century WWE version, so I'm not saying it's anything like the uh, the wildness that happened at the time. But there's a little bit of Stan Hansen and Bruiser Brody about them. Yeah. The kind of the reason that they get on is because they're two rough, tough bastards. You just get the feeling that they could be a good centre half partnership if they were footballers, (laughs) don't you? Just just two big nasty bastards at centre half that you wouldn't want to play against. And I'll use the football analogy, and I'll take it one step more, because what here's what I'd have loved to have seen with that. One of the reasons I don't particularly care generally for Iron Man matches um, is it's very, very difficult to tell a believable story one way or another. Um, I think Brett and Sean's Iron Man match is, is hugely overrated because um, there's a huge bit in the middle where it's quite slow because they're just trying to, um, you know, trying to keep it going throughout the hour and not have the fall. It's kind of not believable that you would have no falls over an hour. Um, although obviously there have been hour Broadway matches, but it's not that believable. And it was wrestled at such a slow pace. Um, I also don't think it's all that believable if you if you expect you know the Hunkies and Sheamus, the Hardys and Sheamus and Cesaro, if you just put them in a normal match and positioned it well on the card, you would probably expect to go you know between 14 and 18 minutes and have an, an, a one-off match. At the 20-minute mark in this match, I think it was 3-2 or at least 3-1 the Hardys got beat three times in the first 15 minutes and it's like you're supposed to think of these as being a a tough team but they lost straight away then they lost again then they lost got one back and they lost again Mm -hmm. so if you're going off of the wrestling thing that you lose they lost three times in the space of what you would expect them to normally stay in there it's a little bit like the Survivor Series thing where suddenly these moves that never beat anyone in their life suddenly could beat someone at Survivor Series because we have to get eight people nine people out of a match in 20 minutes and it's not believable. And here's what I would have loved to see in this match. I really enjoyed the bro kick bang, you know, from the start one nil. I enjoyed that. I would have loved the Hardys to have not dominated the entire half an hour, but because you can't just do that with having a whole whole baby face attack, you have to have some heat. But I would have loved the Hardys to have had loads of chances to let's say equalise, you know, you know, hit a big move and the ref was distracted or. You know, um, you know, hit a big move, and then someone's partner came in and made the save, and hit a big move, and you know the foot went on the ropes, or got the visual tap out, and the ref wasn't looking. or just had loads and loads and loads and loads of equaliser attempts, and then right at the end, right as you felt that they were about to make it one-one, you come in and have that Cesaro um, pin, and Seamus Cesaro win two-nil. It'd have been such a great story, because you'd have said yeah. those those Hardys battered them and they lost 2-0 because we've seen football matches like that when a team plays really really well and they can't score it's a believable sporting tale now you're ok you can say oh, well, well that's not very good because the Hardys didn't score a fall and it's like well I actually think wrestling really well for half an hour getting stitched out of a couple of falls you know, it's the equivalent of you know being an, a bad offside decision and not being given a penalty um, and then losing 2-0 is not as bad as losing four times you know, to to me, it's worse. I I'd, I'd think a t- in wrestling, a two-zero with some zeros that are unfortunate is better than a four-three. To me, and I just think that would have been a much better tell. And you could have, as long as you have the announcers going, you know, these Hardys have been really hard done by. They've wrestled a great match, and it's a combination of misfortune and incompetence, you know, from others and cheating that they've been done out of this. But also, Sheamus and Cesaro still look like... Because I love... The best bits of this match were the first 30 seconds and the last 30 seconds. Yeah. You know, I actually didn't even mind the Hardys getting that fall back and then nearly getting the other one. That would work as well if it had gone 2-0, then 2-1, and then they're striving to make it 2-all. That kind of would have worked as well. There was just too many incidental things in the middle which I just kind of went... There's no need for these falls you could that story could have been told at two one just as well as at four three and I just got the feeling that they went we need to keep putting falls in to have something happening during this match because half an hour is too long for people's attention and I just think that's a shame because i think they're i think these these two teams have had you know that silly cage match that was ridiculous and now a and now a two you know now a you know, and this, uh, an Iron Man match of this nature and I think they've been hamstrung, I think they'd have just have better matches if they'd just had matches I think this has been you know, a, an albatross around their necks really, and I think that's a bit unfortunate and this is, you can probably start to tell why I don't like ambulance matches, and I don't particularly like Iron Man matches when they're booked like this and you can see why I'm slightly more down on this show than you, because I feel like I see the potential for it to have been so much better, and I, I think that's been one of that's one of my problems, aside from you know, heels winning too many matches. I just think I didn't feel this was a good enough feel good show and I never really lost myself in how fun it was. I was always picking holes. That's probably as much my problem as anything else. But we're starting to contribute to some of the reasons why I wasn't all over the show. Although I will keep on stressing, I did enjoy it. On the whole there was good wrestling, there was I don't think there was any really bad matches. Um there was just a few frustrating bits I thought that and this was included. Fair enough. Oh, any other matches you want to talk about, mate? Because there are, we are missing... No. We've, no. we've only really talked about three, and there were eight or nine on the show. So
1: I think so. that should do it. They're the most important matches on the card. Um, people have heard plenty of opinions on everything else. Frankly, there's nothing on the level of importance of the three we've talked about, so I don't see any need to go through them. Let's just get Comrade on the line.
0: Indeed. Okay, well, just, uh, just before we do, let's just have another quick mention for that. You can get tickets for... Hooked on Wrestling presents something to wrestle with, Bruce Pritchard, which is happening in the Ireland on Saturday in Dublin, and then in England on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday uh, in Birmingham, Manchester, and London. Uh, Paul is going to tell you where you can get tickets right now.
1: Yes, I am um, for the Irish show, and uh, now as we speak, there are only thirteen tickets left. Um, biletto.ie, b i l l e t t o .ie is your hookup for that. Um, all the English shows, so that's Birmingham, Manchester, London. You want to be at hookedonevents.co.uk forward slash store.
0: Wonderful stuff. Um, so we've uh, we've talked enough about that uh, that show all the way through, but uh, do remember uh, that those are the places you can get your tickets. If you're not sure, um, do come along to our uh, social media points. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Look for Hooked on Wrestling. Um, and indeed on HooksOnEvents.co.uk uh, to find out more about those shows, if you are on the fence and any questions that you have uh, do just send it our way and we should be able to help you. Platinum VIP, VIP and general, uh, general admission tickets all available uh, at all venues, but just do be aware that the, uh, the island ones are pretty much at capacity, you'd have to be nice and quick uh, to get in there. Uh, right, and I think it's, um, it's only high time, we should uh, bring on our guest joining us on the line now we're so happy to have him uh, on the phone with us for the podcast absolutely desperately disappointed he's not going to be able to uh, to come over on the tour it, itself but we're going to get some words of wisdom just days ahead of us welcoming bruce here to the uk with his co-host on something to wrestle with conrad thompson how you doing conrad Hey, hey how's it going guys how are you We're very well. We're very excited. Me and Paul are having to sort of talk each other down at the moment and try and make sure everything's done, everything's ready, everything's in place because uh, as we're recording this Thursday night, we're only a couple of days away. from. So this time, in fact, in 48 hours time, we'll be just about starting uh, the first show. So we're very excited. Um, Tell us, how's how's Bruce? Because as we're speaking, I think he's in the air at the moment on his way over. Um, What's the last things he said to you? Is he looking forward to seeing us all?
2: He's really looking forward to it. It's been a while since he's been over in that part of the world, and uh, we get lots of messages from over there, lots of something to wrestle with fans, and we're really excited that we're able to put together something uh, unique for you guys. So I've been working hard on the research, and, and he's prepping and warming up some new impressions. It's going to be a great time. Oh, new impressions. There's a, there's
0: a little extra I hadn't heard about. That's, that's the, that should be fun. Um, yes, um, we, we appreciate the, uh, the input you've, uh, you've put in for us Um. And I'm doing my best over here to do a a bit of research to complement it and I'll hook up with Bruce. But obviously I'll keep keep some stuff away from him. I don't want him seeing everything that we've put into it. But I'm hoping you can um, give me some pointers. We've chatted a bit off air, of course. But uh, just so people know that uh, Conrad's been giving me some uh, some assistance on how
2: to deal with Bruce. But what's your main tip for me? Uh well, n- number one is uh you know don't let him off the hook he'll give some vague answers every now and again and some non committal answers. you need to mash the gas on him and if you get frustrated, don't be scared or just yell at him. Answer the fucking question uh, that seemingly <laughs> works pretty well for me,
0: yes, I'm rather looking forward to that. I think pretty much all of the uh previous shows I've hosted have been relatively PG. so i'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it's uh my desire to sit on stage and swear but it will be quite fun to tell someone to answer the fucking question oh, it's so I'm not my desire
2: it's not my desire to swear either but uh paul I'm, I'm here to tell you man bruce pritchard will drive you to cussing so just be <laughs> prepared
0: oh very very much looking forward to it um in terms of the um the live shows that you've done i know you just did one um uh this past Sunday you've got another one coming up before the uh, uh the pay per view in that in, in Philadelphia at Battleground soon we'll talk about that in just a second. Um how many of the live ones have you done now? you have to you've done several, haven't you, since uh it was, it was a kind of a, a sudden rise into doing them live and then a whole bunch have come at once. Is it is it been a, a good progression?
2: Well yeah, we've done several so far. We did Orlando for WrestleMania and then we were able to uh go ahead and hop over and do one in Baltimore and then st louis and now we just did one in dallas so we've done four live shows so far and you guys are going to try to rival that in just this tour uh, but our next one is july 23rd in philadelphia and, uh, each one has kind of their own identity and we kind of make uh, each show unique and different and obviously there's a different fan experience in all of them so we're looking forward to uh keeping this thing going i know Bruce is having a lot of fun he enjoys being on the road and it's really cool to catch up with our listeners and just get some feedback. What do they like? What don't they like? And uh, People are really digging what we're doing, so we're going to keep writing for them. I'm interested in um,
0: what's picked up as the, uh, the format of being... Uh, before a lot of the pay-per-views. It seems like, first of all it's a very smart idea because obviously you've got uh, uh, some wrestling fans are in town but I think for the wrestling fan themselves you know, forget any sort of commercial side of things That what a great way of building up into the show you know you're getting to go and see you guys first and then going on to the pay-per-view or vice versa if the pay-per-view is a little bit earlier I think if you're from further west it will start a bit earlier won't it and then it will be a little bit of a, an after-party sort of thing so um, I guess that's been a really nice thing that everyone's in town for the wrestling and you've got a real core
2: audience there. It's a good time for me for sure. Uh, you know, it kind of becomes a wrestling day, and yeah. uh, that's always fun for me. And I enjoyed WrestleMania where we did it the night before at WrestleMania, and did it right after NXT. People were were rowdy from NXT and ready for WrestleMania. That seems like the perfect spot, and uh, I hope we get to do some shows after events as well, because it feels like uh, we're a little funnier if you're loaded from a wrestling event, right?
0: <laughs> I can un- I can understand that. I know that um, there's been some. Um, I think when Regal's done his shows over here, Regal's tended to do them after Raw or after SmackDown in uh, in some quite intimate venues. And I've heard some brilliant stories about uh, how fun they are. I mean, he's a- he'll be a good entertainer at any point of the day, but uh, after a wrestling show and fired up, I imagine he's uh, he's superb. And I wouldn't have thought it was any different for you and Bruce.
2: Yeah, there you go. I mean, it was a, it was a super fun time. Maybe a little bit of a drunken mess, but that in and of itself can be fun for Orlando and and we're looking forward to having a lot of fun on July 3rd in Philadelphia at TLA. We've got uh, an extreme surprise right there in the home of ECW, and uh, given our polar opposite views of that promotion, it should be fun. <laughs>
0: In, indeed, absolutely. And we do, like, listen.
2: We uh,
0: we are over here in uh, in the UK, looking forward to hitting various different locations in in England and Ireland. But uh, we do have some listeners across the pond. So wherever you are, um, you know, make sure you check out something to wrestle with uh, and all their dates because uh, Bruce and Conrad are, are all over the place. I, mean, I expect you're looking forward to the New York shows as well. I mean, they sold out very quickly, and uh, that's a real hotbed of wrestling. So that should be that should be great fun. <laughs>
2: day before SummerSlam, and it went so well, the uh, theater asked us to come back, so Grand City Theater, the day of SummerSlam, uh, we'll be doing this again, we're going to cover the 88 and 90 SummerSlam, we've got surprises for both days, it's going to be a good time, I've always had fun watching wrestling in New York, and I'm sure that'll be no exception, you can get your tickets for both Philadelphia or New York at LiveNation.com.
0: There we go, absolutely superb. Um, getting back to um to our shows in particular, we're going to try and make sure they've got a a UK and Ireland uh, flavour to them. Um, what do you know from um, from having spoken to Bruce about his? Uh, you mentioned earlier on that he's looking forward to coming back over here. he will have spent lots of time over here on uh, on various event tours. He's, he speaks highly, hopefully, of uh, of the UK and Ireland. Has he got some good stories that we can expect? Do you think?
2: Oh, I'm sure he does. You know, most of the crazy. You know, what happens for, for the WWE is, is they normally travel independently here in the United States. So, these guys become a band of brothers when they're in Europe. And it becomes one nonstop a party or rib session and nothing in between. So, guys either love these European tours or they absolutely hate them. And it's not based on the city. It's, it's not based on the culture. It's based on being trapped in a death tube with all of their co-workers and I'm sure everybody listening to this has coworkers that enjoy. But they've probably got some coworkers they don't really care for either. And so if you had to be trapped with that person, you know, for six, seven, eight, nine, 11, 13 days, there's no telling how your emotions might just spill over and chaos ensues. And I'm sure we'll get some fun stories about that process
0: absolutely that sounds uh, that sounds a lot of fun we've um we've done a little bit of a um, uh, survey with some of the people that are coming along we're going to feature it in our uh, in our program we've got a program everyone that's coming along to the uh, the Bruce shows uh, we will have a program for sale that you can uh, not only buy uh, and get Bruce to sign but also there's um, lots of articles in there about Bruce's career about all sorts of things to do with the podcast and about some wrestling in general it's not just uh, a bunch of pictures and there is some actual general content in there and what we did was we did a bit of a survey Conrad with the, with the people that are coming we put out there that they could uh answer some questions um largely about the podcast in specific so we will will share some of those uh, bits of information with you because I'm sure that'll be uh, interesting to uh, to know but um I wonder if you can guess which was the um uh, we asked what the impression that the, the fans most liked Bruce doing what do you think was the was the number one that they came up with
2: Jim Cornette I'm going to guess that everybody enjoyed.
0: It, he was pretty. He was pretty high up. Uh, Vince took the crown. Everyone liked the um, the Vince impressions number one. But Cornet was part of a little crew with uh, uh, Johnny Ace and uh, Dusty and a few others in there. But uh, some that weren't mentioned. I'm fascinated to say that, see that there's going to be some uh, uh, some new ones. But um, what it gets me round to is what I'm saying is uh, it's the the balance of things that you have on your podcast where it's you know some really deep insights, some stories people might not have heard before, and then suddenly. You're into uh, you know a, a mad impression of of, of uh, Jim Cornette or Vince McMahon or or someone like that, and it's Bruce showing off his um, uh, his performer side of things as well. So I think you probably have a unique um, podcast in that sense because of the way it goes. Do you think that's a fair thing to say?
2: I do. I think it's a combination of things. I think it's the camaraderie with Bruce and I, just kind of reflecting on. You know, some of the better, more happier moments of wrestling, even if it's not a civilian or it's not any new information, I think that is fine. I think the historical aspect of it, where we break down, you know, in great detail the things that happened, it kind of gives you a complete view, at least in my opinion, of an angle, a storyline, a character, a pay view, whatever the case may be. But, you know, the real reason for listening is for these little nuggets of information that maybe. Has never been revealed before, uh, and if we can't provide any of that, well, hopefully we can at least make you laugh with a silly impression. So I think that combination is what's made our show.
0: I think that's um, I think that's definitely true. Um, we, uh, like I said, we'll, we'll send some of this uh, thing over to you. And we won't we won't reveal everything here. We want people to uh, have some surprises when they buy the program. But we did ask um, people if they wanted to put forward, you know, some of the things that they'd. Uh, they'd most like to hear on the podcast in the future and we got so many different choices and what it showed to me was even if you took you know every single different choice that someone suggested um, in the uh, in the survey that would keep you going for another year um, you know at least um, without even um, trying to even think about too many other things, so whatever happens, you know, you've got the material here to go on almost indefinitely because the the, the longer you keep on going, other things are going to keep happening. I know Bruce is not, you know, necessarily as as close with WWE as he used to be, but it's there's always stuff to talk about, isn't it? That's the beauty of of what you do.
2: Yeah, I mean, I do think we have several years left of just existing stories, and you've got to remember, you've got. You know 1987 to 2008 so you've got 21 years to pull from you've also got if we wanted to do a little more global a little more houston a little more tna because he's done all of those things since uh and, and we've really only done two shows on tna and that covered multiple years well he's back there now so there'd be an opportunity to do all of those things and if and when we were run out of things to talk about many years from now mm-hmm well, we can just do you know, what everybody else has been doing for a long time and invite some of the people from these stories to come on. Uh, and, and, and if we had an opportunity to just do kind of an interview format uh, and have guests on, and, and obviously the format has been so far, no guests needed, well, that'll add a totally different dynamic to the stories. So uh, I think we're several years away from this thing being over, and, and I'm having a great time in the meantime. Excellent news. I mean, that's
0: what we all want to hear because it's, uh, it's, definitely, um, it's definitely one of those things that on a Friday afternoon, as my work day might be winding down, I suddenly think, ah, I've got a pod, new podcast to listen to tonight, and I, I rarely get into the weekend without having already uh, having already listened, so that's a great thing. Um, we talked a little bit the last time you were on the show when you were uh, relaxing poolside down in Orlando um, about... Um, the nature of how the podcast has come about and uh, and that kind of thing but um I'm interested to know because this is a very now, we're always learning, aren't we, as time goes on, about how people get their information these days. We had SoCal Val on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and she was talking about Fight TV and the app and how that works. And obviously, we've got, everyone has the network now on, on televisions, on iPads, on PS4s, on whatever format you have. Um, have you found that because people are used now to having wrestling on the go, that that's maybe helped the podcast Um, genre because I mean there's an explosion of podcasts there's so much competition yet the numbers seem to keep getting higher so it doesn't feel like there's too much competition it's watering everything down if anything Monday Night War style the more that's on the more interest there seems to be
2: yeah I would agree I think this is the absolute best time ever to be a wrestling fan and I think a lot of people lose sight of that but you've got access to so much content now whether it's You know, new independent promotions that are running all the great content the WWE network provides us. Uh, And you've got, you know, more live WWE action than ever before. You know, when we were talking about the height of their rest of their run in, in the Attitude Era, you had two hours of Raw, two hours of SmackDown, and maybe an hour of Sunday Night Heat. Well, now you've got, you know, an hour of NXT. You've got original content every week. You've got an hour of 205 Live. You've got three hours for all. You've got two hours SmackDown. Then you've got Ring of Honor. Then you've got TNA, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's so much to choose from, and the access we have is unprecedented because everybody now has social media. When I was a kid, you wrote a letter to Hulk Hogan, you would never hear anything back. Well, now Hulk Hogan can reply to you or, uh, or re- block retweet you. you or or block you. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um. Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly feel that um. There's so I I watch. I don't watch as much wrestling as I would like to because sometimes life gets in the way but um you know I have a subscription to watch the WWE network which has all the uh, the things on there I look at the stuff on Fight TV uh, I watch Progress Wrestling which is a, a big independent over here that's kind of WWE endorsed these days and I watch the progress stuff on demand and and I try and watch i I'm, I'm just trying to get my foot in the door with them um, watching new japan because i've heard so many good things about new japan and i basically catch the odd show here and there like a, a wrestle kingdom but it seems that everything i listen to these days seems to be talking what great stuff is going on over there so that's kind of my latest one to uh, to try and get into and i'm not sure if you're a, if you're a fan or not but that's that's my latest one anyway
2: yeah it's a great time to be a fan man you've got so many choices to choose from whether it's original content like that or just on podcast you know the we got Eric to talk about things an hour away for Jim Cornette or Kevin Sullivan or any of their minds. You know, now with J.J. Dillon jumping, that there are just so many choices there. And then, of course, you know the actual performers themselves. So I'm Cold Steve Austin and Chris Jericho and Edge and Christian, and you so many choices. Uh, that sometimes you, you kind of have to poison and. and Wrestling fans have so much to choose from. It's never a bad thing. And uh, podcasts are no different. You know, I have got lots of messages from people who think that Edge and Christian have the best podcast, and other folks think that Killing the Town with Cyrus and and Lance Storm is the best podcast around. And that's what makes this fun, man. Everybody has a voice, everybody can find something. There's something for everyone. It's like a buffet of all the great wrestling. And there's so much to go around this is a nice thing
0: there's um there's a guy over here who writes for the daily star called patrick lennon who is a very very good friend of mine and paul's too um and pat i used to write for the sun and pat used to write for the or still does write for the star which are rival newspapers and people were always thinking that assuming that me and him would hate one another and have some sort of rivalry we were best of friends and not only you know did we get on well we also used to think well there's no reason why someone can't read my stuff one day and Pat's the next or whatever. Just because you're rivals doesn't mean people will do one and not the other. And I think it's the same with podcasts. All of those podcasts you just mentioned, not all of them, but certainly you mentioned Killing the Town. I listened to some of that this morning. Um, as and Christian, I listened to some of that yesterday. It's... I have so many different things on my uh, on my podcast app, and again, this is something we put to uh, the survey. We got some information on that, and there's even something in the program about uh, about the evolution of the podcast. So, um, plenty to digest when people come to the shows. Um, what about you? Do you do you manage, You don't have to name them if you don't want to. If, if it comes to you know other people's um, efforts, but do you find that um, you can cram everything in that you want to? Do you have a certain two or three that you go to, and and that's about all you can manage? Because we all
2: lead busy lives. Well, I'll tell you, uh, you know what I. I I found this to be pretty common. Everybody has a certain part of their day when they're doing something. And for a lot of us, it's our morning commute, our our drive home. Uh, And depending on how long that is, you may be able to cram in a whole show on the way in and a different show on the way home. But some people have shorter commutes, and I think they consume it a little bit where, hey, they'll start a show, and that'll carry them two or three days, and then they'll start another show. And, And that'll be their routine for their travel. So that's kind of what I fall into. Anytime I'm flying, I I do have a routine. Uh, I'm like a lot of listeners, I think, in that I will go through and I'll find all the interviews, all the potential interviews, and I'll cherry pick the ones I think I'm most interested in, whether that's with Stone Cold or Chris Jericho or whomever. I'll cherry pick the, the, the interviews that I'm most interested in. And then, of course, it feels like every other week, Vince Russo or or Jim Cornette have something going on viral so I'll have to check out what caused all that uh, <laughs> yeah, I do have a little bit of a routine though, and, and, and it is still very much based on hey what do I have time for in this sitting and and there are so many choices as you mentioned I feel like you could almost have a healthy appetite of hey I've got five shows I listen to in the morning through the week and five shows I listen to in the evening through the week and, and you wouldn't run out of content
0: no sir Um, Let's touch briefly on the Russo thing. I don't want to do it to death, because I suspect you're a bit fed up of hearing about it in some ways. But there was a bit of a a, a hoo-ha, as as we often say over here, about uh, your podcast about Vince Russo the other week. And what I found interesting was that the, the... backlash to what you guys did on the pack, on the podcast started before you would even recorded it there were people online already saying oh they're just gonna stick the knife into Vince Russo they're gonna do this and another hatchet job blah 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 we're all used to wrestling fans or not just wrestling fans but anyone on social media jump into conclusions but that took it to a new level didn't it the way that people were you know suddenly getting on your backs and you hadn't even recorded yet to have an opinion after you had done it is fine but there were people were just assuming the worst weren't they
2: well, they were, but but I think they were fair to do that a little bit because, you know, who who's had a lot of complimentary to say of Vince Russo? And so anytime somebody says, oh, next week we're going to talk about Vince Russo, his fans or Russo apologists or whatever you may refer to them as, they they come out of work, and our people would too. You know, if, if, if we had somebody say, next week we're going to address Bruce Prichard, then people would assume, well, it's not going to be positive, they're going to crap on it because that's just – inherently what the medium lends itself to. But I tried to be as fair as I could. You know, I wasn't there I and, and I know a lot of wrestling fans have really strong opinions about him without ever actually meeting him. Uh, but I've done a few podcasts now with Vince for the Ric Flair show and I've talked to him off air several times and I found him to be delightful. But I wanted to be fair to him. I didn't want to just give in to all the Rumor and innuendo, as we like to say, and I don't know that we could have been more fair than reading the passages from his book. And his fans took issue with that, and then of course it was all downhill once Vince heard it, or says he didn't hear it, but somebody else told him about it.
0: Yes, and these things um, can create a life of their own. But I guess uh, in some ways it's um, it's got people talking about both sets of podcasts, isn't it? So that's one thing. But also, um, I listened to it and I didn't. Think I did, it didn't suggest to me that there was anything there. Uh, untoward in there. I don't know Vince personally, but um, to me, you guys handled it in a fair way. And as you say, you're reading from the book, you know, unless he's changed his mind over the years, which he probably has done, to be fair to him. Um, there's not a lot more you can do, I don't think. Than, I think that's what the, the whole thing about Bruce is, not it? it's, it's from his perspective. He's not necessarily, necessarily saying he's right, he's just offering you his perspective.
2: I'm really not interested in what anybody thinks about today. And I know that that sounds ugly, but, you know, our podcast is about stuff that happened 20 and 30 years ago. So when I'm quoting the wrestling observer i'm quoting issues from 88 and 98 you know we're talking mm-hmm. 20 and 30 years ago so those were Meltzer's opinions at the time i'm not updating it. well that's not the way Meltzer feels today and nobody had a problem with it because we're covering a topic that was from that era we're not covering it now we're covering it then and and what was said then and what what was what we saw then and so I felt like just covering that part of Vince's book was fair. Obviously his opinion has changed, but you know, that doesn't mean that that's not the way he felt at the time. And if that's the way he felt at the time, that's probably the way he behaved at the time. So why not talk about what happened, not the way he wishes it would have been because, you know, listen to his show for that.
0: Indeed, it does seem that the um these subjects sort of blow up from time to time on the internet for one reason or another and I think sometimes they're gone as quickly as they escalated but there's been even just this week there's been a couple of different ones and I think the one, that, um, one that jumped out at me was uh, that, that Jim Ross seems to have been getting the treatment this week for, um, for, for whatever people thought of his performance at, um, at the New Japan shows and that just seems to be out of, out of hand and I saw a few things where people are tweeting which is really personal and unnecessary to a, to a legend did you, did you see some of that?
2: No, I did, and I think it's unfair. And I'm glad that you brought it up. You know, I, I don't, I don't know uh, how people lose sight and, and expect absolute perfection uh, at all times in wrestling. It seems like it's kind of unique uh, to the internet because that's not the way the real world is. And what I mean is, if Jim Ross, after 30 something years of entertaining us, is is not doing off day, if he does not deserve an off day, who does? I really do mean that. If Jr. doesn't deserve an off day, then who in wrestling does? And, and, and the other people who were very critical of him, I, I believe unfairly. And you should keep in mind that this guy, you know, just lost his wife in a tragic accident just what three months ago, and 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 he's doing wrestling sure, um, for multiple reasons. But one of them is to try to move along and, and have some normalcy and have a distraction. And and even that seems like we're trying to suck the fun out of that for him. He had an off day. He wasn't hired to be the best commentator that you could get. He was hired because he's going to bring new eyeballs. You mentioned Wrestle Kingdom earlier. There's no way I would have watched that Wrestle Kingdom a few years ago on my own, but when I saw that JR was offering English commentary, I thought, you know what? I'm going to check this out. And I'm not Me alone too. in that. That was yep. a lot of people did that, and I feel like you hired JR and put him in that spot because he's going to bring new eyeballs to your product. If you want somebody who's going to cover it very thoroughly, well, just have Kelly, Kevin Kelly do it. He knows everybody's name. He's familiar with everything. And no disrespect to Kevin Kelly, he's not the name or the brand that Jim Ross is. And you hire Jim Ross to get that new audience. And that audience is so loyal and faithful to JR that they're going to forgive him if he confuses a Briscoe brother. And I'd be so bold as to say, I bet the Briscoe brothers were okay with it because it was Jim Ross and because they understand the dude's a legend He's, it's okay to mess up every now and again
0: so, um, I so agree I mean people will often talk about the, the, the golden era of wrestling whatever is anyone's golden era well for me I always talk about the year 2000 being my my favorite single year And if you go and watch some matches from 2000, go back and watch some Benoit-Jericho matches. Great matches, and constantly, JR gets their names wrong. Does it all the time. Doesn't make his his call any worse. He's forever calling Jericho-Benoit and Benoit-Jericho, but that's forgivable. What is perfect is the way he builds up the atmosphere and the anticipation like absolutely no one's ever been able to. And I just, I can't bear people having these tiny little... Um, nuances that they want to go into, you know, too, too much detail on. I'll often talk about my favourite match. I'm not saying best, but my favourite match ever is the Sean and Undertaker match from WrestleMania 25 uh, from um, Bruce's hometown of uh, Houston. I was there in the building, that's why it's so fascinating to me. And I once heard someone say, oh, well, I wouldn't give it five stars because The Undertaker botched that dive over the top. And I just go, you are worrying far too much, mate. If the best match ever is ruined to you by the fact that they were ever so slightly off on a jump, you might as well pack in now. And I think those are the people that would be now having to go at JR for 30 years. I mean, I haven't heard his call, and you know from from that show so it might be good or it might be bad but if it is bad 30 years of good stuff and then one bad night i'd know which side of the equation i'd be on
2: yeah it's unfortunate that it's gotten to this point i hope they continue the relationship i know that uh jim ross is a professional and is probably the voice of wrestling for almost everyone listening to this and him having one off day is well deserved um I'm sure given an opportunity, he will knock a home run next time and quiet all the critics as he's continued to do for decades. Of course he will. Absolutely. And I don't want to, we can sound like we can get too personal
0: into this because I know both you and I know JR and it's, it's a bit of a different sort of um, side of things, but I think most people with a, a rational brain with a bit of a, uh, uh, compassion in their soul would look at things in the, uh, in the same way. So we uh, good on Jim and it's good to see him back with the, um, the call again. I believe as we speak, he's going to be in action calling the, uh, the May Young classic. So uh uh, I'm very much looking forward to uh, to hearing that um, speaking of um, of, uh, of off days I, 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 do, I am amused occasionally when uh, I do listen to something to wrestle with and uh, you get on Bruce's case for not necessarily being himself I forget what the podcast was about five or six weeks ago where you referred to it as being the worst one ever and uh, really got on his case if he's if he's like that when he's over here, if he's a bit worse for where after the Dublin show of having one or two Guinnesses have I got permission to to tuck into him a little bit for not being on the ball
2: uh, absolutely, that was my number one suggestion right up front, I would highly recommend you do that or just yell Roll Tide he doesn't really like that either well, I'm
0: so glad you've said that because we've, um, we've done a, a glossary uh, in the program of, uh, of f- familiar phrases from the Something to Wrestle With podcast so everything, I tried to cover everything um, from, uh, from No job to um um to roll tide and the roll tide might have been the one I had the most difficulty with. It's very much something that's personal to you, so I'll double check my meet my uh the definition I put down in the glossary. But would you like to be able to set the record straight and tell us what you mean when you say that? Because to us to us Brits, it's a little bit of a, of a foreign sounding phrase. Well, it's
2: Hawaii vacation. Everyone says a lot. Means everything. It means hello. It means everything in between. So. Uh, roll Tide is a, is a greeting that you can use pretty much anywhere.
0: Excellent. Well, there. Uh, uh, do I have your permission to use it a few times on the shows? Is that okay?
2: Permission? Hell, I wish you would. Please do. <laughs>
0: I'm sure I'll use it inside the first ten minutes, and I'm sure Bruce will there. Uh, he'll blame you for uh, for it anyway. So that'll be fine. Um, Listen, Conrad. Thank you for thank you for coming on and uh, marking our card a little bit today. It's been uh, great to speak to you. Um, as we said earlier on. We'd really love to have you here, um, and you know who knows if we have a if we have a great week. And uh, Bruce is convinced to come back again sometime. Then we'll make sure that uh, that you can join him. So I'm looking forward to um, the role I'm going to play. But I
2: genuinely wish uh, wish you were in my shoes, brother. Hey, me too, man. I, you're gonna have all the fun, but uh, I know you guys will, will kill it. I'm looking forward to uh, checking it out, and I hope that everybody can come check it out. And I'm sure you're gonna tell them where to get the tickets and. I'll be there next time. But in the meantime, if you're stateside checking this out, check us out July 23rd at TLA, right before Battleground. You can pick up your tickets at livenation.com. And then SummerSlam Sunday, we're going to be covering both SummerSlams from New York City, both 88 and 98. Tickets are still on sale for the SummerSlam Sunday show. It's at Gramercy Theatre in Manhattan, and you can pick them up again at livenation.com.
0: Great stuff. Conrad Thompson, great to have him back on the podcast and uh, Paul um, I hope you enjoyed that interview in fact I thought that was as good as you've ever been during that interview I really enjoyed your input
1: what, what interview is? comrade already been, have I missed it <laughs>
0: did you have a little? Uh, did you have a little snooze? Do you remember when Roman went missing during that Royal Rumble, when everyone started chanting <laughs> "Roman sleeping"? And there The whole load of guests going, "Is Paul okay? Is he? Is he? Has <laughs> he, he, he fallen over? Is he? Uh, should we? Um, should we pull the panic helpline and just uh, pull the red cord? Just go. Someone go and check on Paul." I,
1: I think you. Are, I'm only joking, obviously. I just didn't want to let you two. I didn't want to get tread on your two guys' toes. But frankly, I could have gone off and had a nap. I could have come my tea could have gone and watched an episode of Coronation Street
0: you know oh yeah that's fine No, that's fine I'll do all the work mate it's not a problem it's so uh, you just uh, <laughs> sit back and enjoy it like a panther, and I'll uh, I'll get on with it okay mate
1: good 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 idea we'll go for that yeah
0: okay well, we'll <laughs> uh, here's, a, here's a chance for you to do it all over again next week when on Saturday Sunday Monday and Tuesday uh, I'll be on stage hosting with Bruce, and you'll be, uh, you know, having some sort of uh, cold beverage somewhere, I'm sure. Now, listen, I'm only joking. Paul's put an unbelievable amount of work into uh, everything we're doing for this tour. Um, he is really the heart and soul um, of Hooked on wrestling, the architect, as it were. Um, which is, I still think, is the funniest gimmick. I still like the idea that if if Seth Rollins had wrestled in WCW in 1991, they would have made him into an actual architect. <laughs> and he he would have come to the ring with blueprints and things like that, and he would have been distracted by. Um, the fact he was he was thinking about how he was going to build an extension on on someone's house and then got rolled up and got beat. Because <laughs> uh, uh, um, <laughs> I'm just thinking of when they made because they made um, what was IRS's character called in WCW?
1: Michael Wall Street was.
0: Michael Wall Street, <laughs> uh, or did, well, no? Even they might even have been. He might even have just been Mike Rotunda. He was prime, when, they, when he was the ca- when he was the captain. Yeah. He was the captain of the Varsity Club, which was a fun little gimmick, and then they just made him captain of a <laughs> <shit>. boat. <laughs> Oh, he's called Captain. Let's give him a boat. <laughs> I love, I love that way of thinking. I miss that era when you just went, yeah, let's give him a boat because he's called Captain.
1: <laughs>
0: oh dear, oh dear. God, part of me wishes that Bruce would have worked for WCW for a time because some of the, can you imagine some of the podcasts? I know, I know you've got Tony Schiavone, but he doesn't ever remember anything. So it, the idea of um, the Bruce, the Bruce podcast, and trying to work out. You know, did was Bruce responsible for, you know, pooking the ding-dongs or whatever? That would have been absolutely hilarious. Indeed. Anyway, sadly that's not the case, but you do have your chance to ask Bruce all sorts of questions uh, about his stint uh, in WWE, practically from the mid to late 80s all the way through to the late 2000s, so 20-odd years or so, as Conrad pointed out, uh, of Bruce's history uh, in WWE. So we, we hope you will join us. Uh, in Dublin, Birmingham, Manchester and London. Uh, one more time Paul for
1: the um, places that people
0: can get the tickets from
1: Yeah, no problem, so the Dublin show with uh, very few tickets left you can get from that's billetto.ie. that's B-I-L-L-E-T-T-O dot I-E and then the rest of the shows Birmingham, Manchester, London you can pick your tickets up from hookedonevents.co.uk forward slash store
0: Superb, right, we are going to wrap things up here now because uh, Paul and I have still got plenty to do uh ahead of Saturday. So uh hopefully um you will join us in Dublin, Birmingham, Manchester and London. Uh, any of those shows, um especially if you're a podcast listener, please come up and say hello. Um one of the cool things for us in, in terms of these shows and also our pay-per-view parties um we've not mentioned a lot about that on this show. We'll get into uh to more details on that when we come back after the tour, but suffice to say, uh ten slash eleven venues. I am saying that because it's intended to be eleven. I'm not sure if we have announced them all as yet. But uh it be
1: more uh, than that, Rob. Pardon? Might well be more than that. What's this More question? even, goodness oh, me. So you will see. And by the way, yes, we can confirm the eleventh venue, although it's not on sale yet. We are gonna be making our debut in Bournemouth.
0: wait, well, hey, There we go. I think um I, th- I think here's here's what I'm going to whisper because I listened back to our podcast a couple of weeks ago. I think we accidentally said it on the uh, SoCal Val podcast a couple of weeks <laughs> ago. But um, Shh. but we won't worry about that. Uh, but yes, officially Bournemouth then is uh, is announced as our eleventh venue. Good job that because it's in the program for the weekend. So I'm glad we've announced it for uh, <laughs> um, before because I put it in the program. Um, <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, you can join us at eleven different venues. Please look that up as well for uh, for SummerSlam venues. We won't go through it all now. Uh, but we'll talk a lot more about our pay-per-view parties uh, when we come back after the tour but yeah what we love at those pay-per-view parties uh, and at the things that I've experienced working for PSI events in the past at the uh, at the evening with um, type shows um, it's so much fun interacting with everyone and just finding out um, where you found out about Hooked on Wrestling, whether or not you listen to the podcast, what you like about it, whether you like the uh, the pay-per-view parties. Please come up, have a beer with us, have a chat. You know, when we're free, we genuinely would uh, would love that. It will um, it's a cool experience for us as well, just to uh, find out more about you guys. And if we're going to do more things in the future, um, you know, the perfect market research is just getting to know you all and uh, and having some fun. And that's what we intend to do at the weekend. Um, Paul, it's going to be a lot of fun, it's brand new for me and you, um, newer for you actually really than me, but uh, I've not done it from the other side of things, so it's going to be hectic, there's going to be some late nights, there's going to be some panics, but I think there's going to be even more good times, and I think by uh, by next Wednesday we might be uh, in a bit of a state, we might be a bit downtrodden, but I'm sure we're going to have plenty of things to wrestle with, and we're going to come through it the right way.
1: I agree, mate. You know, it's not going to be the easiest week of of our lives, but it will be one of the most rewarding. Uh, Can't wait to see you all, guys. Those who bought tickets, thank you very much. Those that are about to, what are you waiting for? Um, But we'll see you all there. Can't wait for your feedback. Bruce is dying to meet everybody. He really genuinely can't wait to come over. It's been a long time since he's come over and been the centre of attention on a big tour in fact never been the centre of attention on a big tour so he's really looking forward to doing this um, Rob is equally looking forward to getting his moment Absolutely. to, uh, to grill a legend and and uh, give him some grief so I think all, all round this is going to be a fantastic week for all of us but most importantly I think it's going to be a great show for you guys
0: whether or not we are back with you next week for a Hooked On podcast might depend on uh, how much we can still talk not much we can stand up we might actually be sick and entirely sick of the sight of each other by next week <laughs> and if uh, we might have split up Liam and Noel Gallagher style um but uh hopefully not hopefully it'll all be uh, it'll all be swell so uh, it just remains for me to say please come and join us uh at something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard all over the place next weekend but for now just remember that it's wrestling enjoy it
2: we'll see you very soon